This is Client Side from Fox Agency. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about! Wait! Okay now, from the beginning. Marco Costa has been Global Marketing Director for Berlitz, one of the largest language education groups in the world, present in 70 countries. He has over 15 years experience in marketing, communications and sales in major international groups in the education segment. He has run global campaigns across South America, Asia and Europe. He is currently living and working back in Brazil, working as a sales and marketing director for Curso Enfas. Have I pronounced that correctly? Yeah, that's okay, yes. <laughs> Marco Costa, welcome to ClientSide. Thank you very much, Nathan, and thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure. Absolute pleasure speaking with you. Um, so you were born in Brazil. Uh, your professional career yep. took you to France, where you worked in marketing for about 10 years, selling into various uh, European markets. You speak five languages, I understand. Um, tell us yes. about tell us about what, what perspective having that international marketing career has, has given you. Um, Nathan, I guess it's all about gaining cultural competence. Uh, and this is one of the most important uh, features in my career or skills in my career. And moving to a different country, as I did when I first went to France and then I was in Spain. I had lived in the United States before. So I guess that when you do that move, when you go to a different country, it makes you so culturally sensitive. Mm -hmm. Because... You're not only uh, you're not only business-wise, but you not only have to look at that environment business-wise, but you also have to fully understand the cultural codes of that uh, country you are in, if you want to succeed, of course. Um, especially when you're doing marketing and sales, sure. I guess. Uh, let me give you one good example. When mm. I first came to France, it was very funny. Me and my friends. We, uh, uh, we did not understand their advertising campaign. So we were taking the subways and looking at those campaigns, and we could not understand that. Mm. It's not that we didn't understand what was written. Mm -hmm. We didn't understand the meaning of it, what they wanted okay. the by context. that, right? right? The context. So we didn't get the humor. Mm. We didn't get the metaphors. Mm -hmm. We didn't have enough references. It was hard. Sure. But then one day... I was in the subway looking at the same advertising campaigns and I start laughing. So that's when I realized, well, I'm fully <laughs> in the country. I, right. You know, You're starting to get the culture. Right. Yeah. Mm. So this is so important because uh, uh, to summarize, I guess, the cultural competence is key to succeed when you want to work, when you want to have an international career, mm. especially in marketing, I guess. Can you speed that up? How do you develop that competence? Uh, well, definitely living and working in the country mm -hmm. is a good way to do so. Mm -hmm. uh, um, there are some, even where I worked before in Berlin, there are some trainings to get you that perspective. Mm -hmm. And I strongly advise people who work with certain cultures and nationalities do this kind of kind of, uh, of training, uh, but the, yeah, the best way is go to the country and experience by yourself. Makes, makes a lot of sense. You mentioned 
Berlitz. You became European marketing director for Teleland before it was acquired by Berlitz. Um, they were doing e-learning before it was even a thing. Um, describe what it was like building a, a, a language e-learning business when the market was so underdeveloped. Wow. Oh. Uh, yeah, probably one of the most adventurous professional experiences <laughs> in my career. Mm. Uh, because I had actually, in Brazil, I had actually majored in e-business from college in, back in 2002. Uh, but I wasn't studying in books. That's a paradox. So I was studying in business in physical books. Mm. So you can uh, imagine that when I came to Telelang in 2003, it was, I guess, uh, I didn't know much about e-learning, uh, and also because there, there was back then, today not anymore, but back then, a great difference between Northern Europe and South America, sure. as you may imagine, sure. in terms of development of e-business, e-learning, internet. Um, so working in Telelang, uh, I, in Telelang I was dealing with, in the beginning, I was dealing with Brazil and Portugal. Portugal, very, more, uh, more uh, like Brazil, very close to Brazil mm -hmm. rather than Northern Europe. Um, and going to companies, trying to sell e-learning trainings at that time mm. was very difficult. I, we, we, I used to get a lot of resistance from people for that kind of training because the reference back then was a face-to-face -face training. What year are and we talking seemed, here? Roughly yeah. what time are we talking? Sorry? Roughly what, what year are we, are we talking about? We're talking about two, 2003 and four. Huh. Yeah, that's super early. Three, four, five, yes. Mm. Uh, um, so it, it seemed, I, I, have, I have the impression working with those countries that we would never get there. The resistance, uh, the barriers were so high for that entrance. But uh, again, I think I will bring again the, the word culture, and will mm. you will hear that word from me a lot, <laughs> right? Uh, because again, it all links to what I said before about new cultures. Mm. Here is not about adapting to a new culture; it's creating a new culture, mm. uh, a new way that people and companies would think they're training. Might it be language training, might it be professional training, whatever kind of training, universities. Uh, so in 10 years working with e-learning, uh, then I started working with other European countries and, and, and in Berlitz with the whole world. Um, I so, could see the transformation. You know, so I feel I was part of a, a, a global transformation. So how did you do that? Did you have to let the market develop by itself or did you, were you responsible for sort of educating the market and sort of bringing them along or was it a convergence of the two? It, it is kind of a conversion of the two, but it is a lot of educating the market, mm -hmm. a lot, lot of bringing uh, the benefits of any learning platform, uh, showing them how it works, uh, giving them a, a chance to try to experiment. Uh, so it's a lot of market education. Uh, today it's easy. I'm working, uh, I'm, on, I'm working as a consultant. The Kursu Emphasis you mentioned before is also an e-learning company. 
in a different, uh, completely different area, but we also sell e-learning courses and only e-learning. We do not have face-to-face. -face. I see. And today, how, how do you pronounce the name? Sorry. Emphasis. Okay. I, 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 it's like emphasis. I, I see. Okay. I, I totally messed up the pronunciation. Sorry about that. <laughs> no problem at all. No problem at all. That's mm. a difficult one. Mm. Uh, but it's funny that when talking to my clients today, and I even had that experience uh, last week, if you mention any kind of face-to-face -face interaction, they will feel it's weird. Hmm. So the, it's like the tendency is reversed today, really especially in certain areas. Huh. People, will, people will think it is very weird if a, if a training company do not provide a kind uh, of e-learning or distance learning in their portfolio. Huh. Really interesting. Yeah. You you became global marketing director for Berlitz after they were acquired by Teleland, as, as we said. Berlitz was actually a much bigger company at, at the time. Talk about some of the much challenges. Bigger. Talk about some of the challenges that you had when you were integrating those those two companies. Well, you you say, well, Marco is really repetitive. <laughs> Culture <But> again. <laughs> Yeah, I have to say it, the challenge was a cultural one, mm. uh, and uh, and Berlitz took it to a whole new level because now we're talking about seventy seven O countries. Wow! Um, so from South America to Asia, and of course, uh, then working at working in a company, so uh, cultural awareness was one of the most important skills in the, I, I needed to have there. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Not only for creating marketing sales strategies uh, that would perform in the different countries, mm -hmm. because for that, I had the internal, I, I have my team. I have local teams. I had local agencies. I guess that the biggest challenge here was the internal corporate culture uh, and communication, of course. Uh, our stakeholders, they were Japanese, they were German, they were American. And the way you present and the way you try to sell your project. So I was a global marketing director. Mm -hmm. If I wanted to develop a certain project, I would need to get internal validation of that project. And the way you get validation might differ a lot if you're presenting to a German, to a Brazilian, sure. to a Japanese, sure. or to a French person. Mm. Right? Um, I, I, I normally say that it's not only, and, and this I say to everyone, I say to my team today, it's not only about being good or having a good idea, it's about knowing how to sell your idea. Hmm. Um, I have a very interesting example uh, that once in the very beginning when Berlitz had just acquired Teleland, mm -hmm. I almost blew one of the most important integration uh, projects we had between the two companies. Okay. <laughs> right. Because uh, I, I I prepared, I spent day and night preparing the what would be one of the most important presentations of my life. Mm -hmm. Because we, as Telelang, we really wanted Berlitz to buy that project and to invest in that project. Mm -hmm. and, and they were counting on me as the leader of, uh, of, of the project to present and to sell it to the CEO, who was Japanese. Uh, and my presentation was 
a nightmare for a Japanese person. Oh, really? And I learned this afterwards. Yes, because I was focused, I was being Brazilian and a bit French. And I was focused on visual, a visual presentation. You know, right. Brazilians will also give you visual, nice right. presentations, focusing on creativity. Okay. Japanese don't like that. Oh, really? And Japanese want something objective. I they see. want figures. Number, numbers, uh, figures. They, they want okay. numbers. They want to. They want you to be factual. They don't care if your presentation is beautiful. <laughs> mm. You know. So yes, you have to learn that. You have to to know your audience uh, when you're presenting the project. Hmm. Quite, quite, quite. Uh, and finally, uh, yeah. No, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> and, and and you also asked about one of the the, the challenges you I had in Berlitz. Sure. And I think this goes for everyone that works in such big firms. Uh, another important keyword would be diplomacy hmm. or skill. You really need to learn how to be diplomatic when leading such, especially I had a, a diverse team because they were dispersed in different countries with different cultures again. But if you don't, if you're not diplomatic, if you don't lead them with a lot of diplomacy, and that sometimes is a hassle because it takes time to be diplomatic. Mm. Um, you can compromise implementation of the projects, hmm. so you have to get people on board. Quite, quite fascinating. Be able to sell your ideas, cultural sensitivity, and diplomacy. <laughs> Sound like a politician. Um, <laughs> let, it, it's kind of sure. Let's let's talk a little bit about choosing and appointing agencies. You you say that when choosing an agency, it's an it's important that they have the ability to think globally and understand cultural differences and communicate in different languages. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, for all the reasons I mentioned previously, right? Uh, you see, it's very hard. To, to, to manage the balance when you're working with global brands, of mm -hmm. course. It's very hard to manage the balance between the global and local. Uh, what level of local adaptation should you allow uh, to, to the countries? Mm -hmm. uh, and what should be managed centrally in order to preserve your brand for, from being misused, from losing uh, message power? Mm -hmm. It's hard, right? So I think that when you choose a partner agency, they need to understand that balance. And if the agency is uh, a global, uh, I personally think, if you work, if you have a global brand, you better work with global agencies. Hmm. Because if they face internally the same issues that you have, they might probably perform better. Uh, in terms of support structure, uh, if they are in the countries you are, they will probably serve you better. And hmm. finally, of course, we you talk about languages. If they speak the languages mm -hmm. your company speaks, mm -hmm. they will understand you better. It's simple like that. And the paradox here, even for me coming from the language industry, uh, it is an illusion to think that the world speaks English. Sure. Nathan, this is not true. It's it not is true. not true. Yeah, the not world doesn't 
It's not true. Mm. So if your agency, if you pretend to be global, but you only you speak in English, mm, you might be missing something out. Really good point. Really interesting. So again, cultural sensitivity and, and diplomacy. The agency also has to have those skills uh, that, you, you know, you would argue. Um, so, so just coming back to what you said earlier around sort of uh, the, ch- the differences selling to Asians, Japanese versus Brazilians, you know, when you're presenting an argument to um, either, uh, either culture you have to present a slightly different structure, whether it's more um, design focused or whether it's more sort of rational left brain focused. When agencies are presenting and pitching to you, what is the best mix from the agencies that you've seen that have presented the best arguments? What have, what have been the best ways to present an argument to you when they're selling themselves into you? Is it the more design-based, uh, creative agencies that, that, that do a great job, or is it more of the rational, left-brain, uh, logical you mean, agencies? You mean to me, Marco, right? To you, Marco, who to is me. a marketing director potentially appointing an agency, yeah, choosing I'm, an agency. I'm, I'm very design-sensitive, hmm. very. So for me... Uh, the look and feel of whatever presentation is as, as important as the content of the presentation. Mm. So, uh, yeah, so for me, design is very important. For certain people, mm. design doesn't matter, but for me, yes. And, of course, uh, it, it needs to have content. Sure. Right? The content needs to, to, to be uh, relevant. So it's a mix of what you say and how you say it. Sure, makes sense. In your experience, what makes a good client-agency relationship? Yeah, we're talking about relationship. Uh, so that makes me right away think of personal contact. Okay. Um, so for personal contact might be the most important thing here. Of course, that leads to the follow-ups, uh, the constant feedback, because the worst that can happen, in my opinion, is when you feel that the partner makes a super effort to win your account, but they don't make the same effort after the contract is huh. signed. Right. Uh, it's funny, but sometimes you even get that weird feeling that you have been you have been used. You know. Really? Oh, you felt that before. <laughs> Yeah, hmm. it's like mirroring your personal your personal <laughs> relationship. It is. <laughs> um, and right. let me tell you something. Once uh, it's just like for me in personal relationships. Yeah. When the trust is broken, yeah. it's hard, not to say impossible, to win it back. Sure. Uh, to illustrate, I just uh, two weeks ago, I just had an awful experience like that with a Brazilian agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they are this big. I will not say their name, but they are this big uh, content agency um, that were not. They were not giving me. They were not giving the right attention, the right level of attention to mm-hmm. a project because. Because I know from a fact that they see us as the small client, and they're so big, they sure. have such important clients. Sure. So you know what? I prefer working with smaller agencies that will focus on us. Mm. 
simple like that. <laughs> mm, makes a lot of sense. You, it's uh, this, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Um, so so I, no, I, I really like your idea around treating it like it's a personal relationship, you know. So you, you need to build up trust. You need to, I guess there's that dating exactly. analogy where people are sort of present their best selves <laughs> when they're dating. And, but then when they get married, sometimes they change exactly. and they relax uh, like and take on, you for granted. On Tinder, there's something, but in real person, there's different <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess my message to all providers, not only agencies, all mm. providers, especially B2B providers, they need to think of their clients. We always do that, especially in Telelang is very good at doing that. Mm. Uh, you, you give them a call, you ask how they are, invite them to lunch, uh, to lunch sorry. You, you learn about their pains, about their needs. And sometimes I have, uh, uh, I have had partners that when they learn that I have some, a certain difficulty, even if they don't provide a certain service, mm. but they might indicate a company that do, that does. Mm. And, and, and that builds trust. That kind of personal relationship builds, uh, builds on trust. Hmm. Quite, quite fascinating. I mean, agencies definitely like clarity and they hate ambiguity. What's your approach to managing and working with clients? How do you hold them to account? Um, I know it's in, in every book, in every training, in all minds, everyone that works with marketing knows that, uh, and agencies too. But the briefing process is often neglected. Right. Um, and this is definitely the first step into the ambiguity you're talking about. Mm -hmm. and, and, and also this long, very long validation processes. Uh, the problem, Nathan, is that in real life, uh, stopping for a certain number of hours to write a proper briefing to an agent is a hassle. Mm. Uh, and... and and you might ask, what, what is a proper briefing? So I would say that uh, uh, a briefing should be a briefing to an agency to avoid all kinds of uh, misunderstanding, ambiguity, mm -hmm. and, and long processes. Mm -hmm. Is the one where you integrate, where you involve several people from your company, uh, and not only the marketing department, for example. You get other people's inputs about a certain campaign, uh, talking about IT, sales, product might be important. Hmm. In, because, and, and you also, this is a way to, to bring them into the process and make them feel that they are part of it. Again, diplomacy, sure. right? Sure. Uh, because when people feel that they are part of it, they, they are accountable for, for a certain campaign, let's say, that you're launching. They're more, they are more likely to collaborate in the end. Hmm. Really interesting. So, so get the internal stakeholders to contribute to creating the brief. Do you actually, do you ever get the agency to also contribute to potentially creating the brief as well? Or is that outside? Yes, of, of course. Yep. No, no. I, I think that the agency should be a part of it as well because... Hmm. That's a way to hold them accountable, right? Sure. For, for whatever they will deliver. Sure. But 
Easier, easier said than done. I must confess. Uh, do I always do it? <laughs> the answer is no. Right. Uh, <laughs> but yes, uh, that's something that I'm. Uh, I, I try to because it is, as I say, in real life when you are you have a hundred projects going on and you have to send the agency the briefing for a certain campaign. Mm -hmm. You have deadlines. So. Sometimes you don't, you just don't take their time, mm -hmm. that time to stop, think, involve people in the process, write appropriate briefing, answer all the doubts, because you don't realize that doing this now will save you a lot of headache afterwards. Hmm. How, but how... this might be very Brazilian, what I'm describing. <laughs> we might come to this later, because I know know that you asked me about Brazil. Yes. But this, be, this might be very Brazilian because Brazilians do have, have a planning problem. <laughs> I see. Really, really interesting. Let's, let's talk about how you hold agencies to account. So if you're not happy with something, with a piece of work or the way that you've been treated, what is your process for letting the agency know? Are you quite explicit in, in, in that feedback or do you let the agency sort of figure that out by themselves. Ooh, this is so true, right? That feedback is a big topic. Sure. And, and you know what? Culture plays, again, a huge role here. Hmm. Um, even when you are in, I, I compare the process of validating a work, an agency work, to whatever negotiation you're having with a client, they, they have to, in a way, validate your proposal. Mm -hmm. But um, a lot of things come in the way of that feedback and of that validation. Besides personal characteristics, of course, some people are more open, some people are more timid, etc. But the person uh, who is giving feedback brings to the table this invisible baggage uh, that you don't see, but it's there, and you better get it. And, and that baggage are their cultural uh, preferences and their cultural behavior. Sure. An example I love to give, uh, and again, here we're talking about global businesses, right? Uh, and in the case of an agency validating a campaign with global businesses, for global businesses, an example I love to give it's my difficulty of doing business in my own country, Brazil. Hmm. Uh, and I guess, and I say Brazil, but I guess a lot of South American countries are very similar. Because we have a problem here that honesty is not in, in our DNA. So people in this area of the world, they feel very uncomfortable to give bad feedback. If, if it's good feedback, it's okay. Everyone is very happy to give. But when it's to say, well, it doesn't work, or it's not like that, or we are not interested, mm. or simply no, it's like people block. They do not know how to do it. They are not comfortable at doing that. And they will not do it. Mm. So if you do not understand the hidden science behind the person's speech sure. or the way they treat you, you it will be very frustrating because your, your Latin partner might give you a lot of nice comments, 
statements mm -hmm. about your work or mm -hmm. your proposal, he or she might keep confirming their interest, even though they're not interested at all. <laughs> so uh, coming back to your question, it yeah. was uh, about feedback, right? Feedback and performance, yeah. Right. How do you? How do did you? Did I get? Did I answer? Uh, <laughs> yes, um, but but just going back to sort of how you would, you know, if an agency does do something that you know doesn't make you happy or displeases you in 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 whatever way, are you explicit in the way that you communicate that to them? Do you do you tell them? Are you proactive in doing that, or do you let them figure that that out? And I appreciate there's a cultural no. element to this as well, but. Yeah, no, my, my cultural, my, my Brazilian, the Brazilian in me right. is, is not 100% anymore because <laughs> I had to You've had fire to adapt other, other ways of... I see. I had to adapt to, to being in different countries. And today, I prefer uh, being honest. Mm -hmm. And in, sometimes when I think that honesty might be... Uh, might be a problem because people don't they don't like to say it but they also don't like to hear it mm. um, so I beforehand I, I put my cards on the table and I tell people agencies and partners here is how I give feedback I always do that so if I don't like I will not look for words to say that I don't like it and it, it, please don't take it personally mm -hmm. because I will be very open about it. Great. So I, it, the days where uh, I, I would look for words to try to say something, they are, they are over. <laughs> sugarcoat. <laughs> you, don't, you don't sugarcoat your words yeah. anymore. Uh, I think most agencies Not prefer anymore that. Because, yeah, I do, I do too. I do too. You know, they'd rather have that open, honest conversation and sort of know where they stand rather than operating in sort of ambiguity. Really, really Again, interesting. Again, you were thinking with your, ah. uh, uh, with your cultural <laughs> British centric mind, uh, right? Yeah, good point. Because uh, again, I'm, I'm, I keep bringing this to the table because another day I was, I was giving feedback to an agency, yeah. by the way, right? And the guy he got really annoyed he was clearly annoyed the, the the agency got annoyed up to the point i had yeah the guy he, he took he took it so personally huh. up to the point that i had to stop and and tell him hey listen this is i i'm not putting here in question your competence sure. or or your background sure because it was like I work in this for ten years, but so I know how to do my job. Right. I I'm just giving you as a client feedback. Wow. You see? Really. So it's not it's not that it's not that simple. It's not yeah. that simple. People don't like to hear here in Brazil, but they also don't they don't like to say, but they also don't like to hear. So what do you do in that in that in that circumstance? How can you? How do you sort of? give someone feedback if they do need honest feedback if they haven't done something correctly but you want to be sure that you don't uh sort of offend them what's the best way of doing that in brazil i i i state my rules beforehand hmm. so if i tell them before i even see the work 
that I will be open and honest sure. about whatever they show me and if and ask them to not take it personally. It's like when, when you set the rules, it's easier to do something. When you set the rules before. The ground rules, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. How So going back to a point that you made earlier around being a smaller client in maybe a, a larger agency's portfolio and maybe not receiving the attention um, that you feel that you deserve, how can we motivate clients to put their best people on your account? I don't know. I always think it's a, I always think it plays. Uh, it, there are two things uh, into into play. One is money, mm-hmm. and the other one is a personal relationship. So, mm-hmm. either you have money power, and they will put the best people mm-hmm. on your project, or you have a good relationship with uh, the the account manager or with the owner, mm-hmm. and they will put the best people on your account hmm. I, I don't know I know it's not very positive but hmm. I think it, it's what happened there's some truth in that I mean you talk about money as well how do we know that we're not overpaying for agency services I guess you never know hmm. I guess you never know because it's uh, it, it's hard first, first thing it's very hard uh, giving value to, to this kind of work. It's mm. subjective. Uh, second, everyone knows that when you hire an agency, you pay, you're also paying the agency structure. Mm. So you might have uh, a freelance, a freelancer that will do a good job or 10 times less, but you're not paying the structure. You're not paying the secretary, you're not sure. paying real estate, sure. you're not paying people that are not directly involved in your job. Mm-hmm. Quite quite fascinating. Let's let's talk a little bit about your current role. Um I don't wanna say the name incorrectly again. Um please tell me please tell me the name. <laughs> cool, so answers, yeah. They're they're client. Actually I do also have an agency. Yeah. Uh, called Prospera, uh, and and Nikuso Emphasis today my major client. We can I see. Put it this way. I see. Okay. Uh, they are they specializing, as I said, in e-learning. I come from from that from from that industry. background. Yeah. Well, let's talk yeah. a little bit about Brazil and and your current role because Brazil is obviously one of the BRICS. Uh, you know, one of the five major uh, emerging economies. Talk about some of the challenges you see in Brazil and how optimistic are you about the future of the country? Okay. Uh, I will restrain myself from talking about our political situation, if that's okay. Sure. <laughs> and I'll focus only... I meant on from a business Otherwise, we can get a chair. Sure. Okay. Otherwise, we just get a chair and we spend the whole day talking about it. <laughs> but... Business, uh, I think that, well, we keep putting Brazil in that position of one of the major emerging economies. I tend to disagree. Uh, in a, well, I, not that I disagree. It is. It's a fact. Uh, but 
if you think of Brazil as a business, as a global player, business-wise, I think that we still have a lot hmm. to learn and a lot to grow, hmm. uh, which is a great opportunity for both our companies and our professionals here. Uh, because I think that when Brazil realizes that it can be much more than just uh, I don't know, petrol or oil or whatever, mm -hmm. that we, we can go much farther than that. Mm -hmm. um, we have a great opportunity because Brazilians, they have this innate talent for creativity. Mm -hmm. This is true. We also have a great capacity of work. And what, in my opinion, is one of the most important assets for any business happiness hmm. you know that every day this is my first actual brazilian professional experience i'm mm -hmm. having right now at 40 years old hmm. uh, but it, it is very pleasant for me uh, coming to the company every day because of the human interactions hmm. and i think that makes for uh, uh, and, and what makes the companies are its people um, and, and that contributes a lot for the company's results because people here, the level of commitment of employees here mm -hmm. is something mm -hmm. I had never seen in my life. Mm -hmm. I'd never seen this such high level of commitment of employees. Mm -hmm. um, on the other hand, on the other hand, as I said before, planning, planning, the, the, the act of planning the actions is a disaster. Faster. In Brazil, there is an expression that they love to say a lot in, in the business world, which is vai lá e faz, hmm. which means uh, literally go and do it. Hmm. I want to say, no, Brazil, no, stop going and stop going so passionate right. and untimely for everything. Sometimes you have to take a step back. Hmm. You have to stop. You have to think. You have to go and do it. Sure. Right? Uh, write down your plan. You study it before, uh, before going in and do it. So, uh, but I think that these competencies that Brazilians and Brazil business lack, it will come as the world becomes more and more global sure. and more and more professionals mm -hmm. like me go work in international mm -hmm. firms, go live in different sure. countries. They bring back to the country these different business behaviors. Yes. I think that might be one, um, one solution. So am I optimistic with Brazil? Definitely. Once we solve our political issues, I think we have a lot to do. We have a lot, well, a lot to show to the world. Quite, quite fascinating. Couple more questions, Marco, before we get into the speed round, the questions that we ask everybody on the show. Um, you've held several senior marketing leader roles throughout your career. What do you think are the qualities of a successful leader? That I had to learn. Um, you don't, some people might have that, uh, but I had to learn that being a leader is understanding that people are people. It's as simple like that, that they have 
they are not only motivated by business results. They're not only motivated by uh, doing a good job. They have a life. They have problems. So trying to see your employees as single individuals mm -hmm. is very important. Um, to understand their world rather than trying to impose yours to them. And this is a, a common mistake because we, in, in leading positions, we often lead with very stressful situations. We have results to deliver. Mm -hmm. We have stakeholders on our necks. But we forget, and, and we tend to think that everyone is on the same page as you are. <laughs> right. And normally they... They are not. They're on page 16. Very often. <laughs> or 116. Normally, yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So uh, you have to make sure that everyone is on the same page. Mm -hmm. But for that, to bring, because people start in different pages. They, mm -hmm. they, people start in different pages as well. So you have an individual work, work to do to understand the person's world. And if they're blocking somewhere, you might need to... To, to look at further why they're blocking somewhere here in this project mm. that everyone needs, everyone seems to be on board and understand, but there's always one that you look at the person and say, he's not with me. Mm. And you have to try to understand what's happening with that person. So I think that makes uh, uh, for a good leader besides all the being a good listener and, and all that. Great, great answer. Marco, let's get into our speed round. Now, these are the quick fire questions that I'll fire at you. And if you could fire back a, a quick fire response, that would be fantastic. Now, what's the single most important thing that you love about working with agencies? And what's the single thing that annoys you or frustrates you about working with agencies? Well, gaining competence uh, is something I, I, I love when agencies bring uh new things mm -hmm. and i don't i don't like feeling used <laughs> <laughs> good answer <laughs> what what should the agencies be thinking about to ensure that they can continue to best serve your needs over the short medium and long term uh being there being constantly there for me mm. uh being proactive rather than reactive at, at all times, we all hit a low from from time to time. How do you motivate yourself? How to how do you motivate yourself in those tough times? Yeah, that's not a quickie, but I'll take it <laughs> as quick as I can. Well, take your time. I try, I try, I, I try to limit the stress in 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 time. So I I, I try to give um, an importance to that problem. In the time, for example, will this bother me for one day, for one hour, for one week, mm. for one month, for, for 10 years? Mm. So once you limit, you give a limit in time to a problem, you can be comfortable with it and with it and move on. So I that's see. how I kind of motivate myself in difficult times. Really, really clever. Makes sense. What motivates you? What, what excites you most, sorry, about your current role and position? Doing different things every day. Great answer. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? Right here, Rio de Janeiro. Oh, 
perfect. I chose to be here. <laughs> Fantastic. What final couple of questions? What vision or goal are you working towards now for the rest of your career? I want to to integrate more and more uh, businesses into my agency. Mm -hmm. uh, so in the future, I really want to be working in different levels and not only so specializing, for example, the education business. So tomorrow I want to be working with culture, with carnival, with uh, real estate, with the learning industry. Why not? Final couple of questions. What do you do to keep mentally and physically fit? Well, I live just a couple of blocks from uh, Ipanema Beach. So I often, I try to do it every day before going to work. I go for, uh, for a run. And I have to, at least twice a week, uh, have a nice swim. Mm. You know, the sea is for me the best, uh, the best healer. Beautiful. It really is. I couldn't agree more. Unfortunately, the sea that's closest to me is freezing, so I won't be making any visits uh, for it. That's a heal me anytime soon, but I can totally understand. Uh, final question, Marco. How do you reflect on your extensive marketing career today? And what would you say is the highlight of your career? Um I guess I have a good, uh, a, a good, and that helps me both professionally and personally. I'm very flexible, so I, I guess I gain that 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 knowledge on how to adapt and try to be happy and take the best out of every situation. Focusing always on the positive sides might be my personal relationship or my professional relationship rather than negative. Great answer. Marco, thank you so much for, for doing this. Thank you, Nathan. If you'd like to share any comments or subscribe to the podcast, you can find ClientSide on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are sold. If you would like to appear as a guest on the show or would like to recommend a senior B2B marketing professional to appear on ClientSide, then please visit fox.agency. We would be unable to produce the show without our special team here at Fox. Millie Bell is our booker slash researcher. Paul Blanford is our creative director. Ben Fox is our executive producer. I'm Nathan Anibaba. You've been listening to Client Side from Fox Agency. Join us next time on Client Side, brought to you by Fox Agency.